Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Happy November and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Tough Times Won't Last, But Tough People Will, 101 Stories About Overcoming Life's Challenges. Good morning, Amy. Happy November, and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Well, thanks for having me on. Um, I guess this is the time of year when we really focus on being thankful, and I think it's the time of year to think about hope and resilience and fortitude and all of these traits that we have inside us that we can be thankful we have because they help power us through the tough times. And that's why I thought it would be a good time to put out this book about how tough times won't last, but tough people will. With us, you know, coming through the pandemic, hopefully approaching Mm -hmm. the end of it, people had a lot to say about tough times, whether they were pandemic-related or not. I love the book. The stories are really empowering. And you're right that I think the timing is perfect because people are getting ready for next year, 2022, and what could be better is to share those wonderful stories during the holiday season to prep yourself up for the upcoming year. So congratulations on this release, which is today. It's today. You know, there's a lot of stories in here that show how we all have this inner strength that we just have to call on, Mm -hmm. and I think that will be really helpful to people who are going through tough times right now or know somebody who's going through tough times. There are so many role models of resilience in these 101 stories. It's really very inspiring for anybody because it just shows what humanity is capable of and it shows us what we're capable of if we just allow our inner strength and resilience to come out and help us. So true. I couldn't agree with with you more. This is just amazing. By the way, how has the new normal affected Chicken Soup as a company? Well, we're still not back in the office. We have offices in Connecticut, um, New York City, and the L.A. area. And it's been hard for everybody. Everybody's been working remotely since March 2020. I mean, we, we had just rented new office space in New York and California and we've been paying for this new office space and not really using it for, wow, it's more than a year and a half now. Yeah, wow. But our team has been really good about working together remotely. Everybody's, you know, very technology savvy, and so everybody's been using Zoom and FaceTime and conference calls, and people have been great. It's been amazing how well our company has done and our entertainment business mm-hmm. has done really well because people are home and they're watching TV. And of course, our largest <laughs> business at Chicken Soup for the Soul is our free streaming service, which mm-hmm. provides free television shows and movies to people. Uh, so there's been a tremendous demand for what we offer. And then, of course, in the book business, you know, books. Yeah. Even though it's hard to get books printed right now because of supply chain problems, uh, books are selling really well. People have returned to reading. And so our our book sales are up in the past 12 months 
as well, which is really nice since we worked so hard on these books. I was worried that we were going to be working really hard on all of these new titles and then not sell any. Right. But, in fact, everything has been fine. So, I don't know. Chicken Soup has done well as a company, and all of our people are doing well, although I think people are craving the human contact again, and Mm -hmm. people are starting to voluntarily go into their offices, you know, once or twice a week, which (laughs) is everybody has to be vaccinated. You know, we have very strict rules about you have to be vaccinated, you can't bring any guests in, you know, just employees are allowed to go fully vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's what we're doing. I mean, it's it's been hard. It's going to be interesting to see what happens when we all go back to the office, which I think nobody's going to go back five days a week now that we've <laughs> discovered we don't have to. Right, right. So true. Well, looking back, this is interesting, though. We live in a closed system, right? So you cannot create order without creating disorder somewhere else. And then obviously the flip side of it is you cannot create disorder without creating order somewhere else. So looking back at the last 20 months, what were some of the blessings you have experienced that otherwise you wouldn't have, you know, come across if life were as is before the pandemic? Well, I think since our grown children are basically in our bubble, mm-hmm. we got to see them. I don't know if we got to see them more than we were seeing them before because there were those first few months of the pandemic when nobody saw anybody. But then once we realized, okay, it's safe to see each other as long as we quarantine for two weeks before a visit and all of that, I think our presence was more welcomed in our grown children's (laughs) lives, right? Because they couldn't see their friends. So all of a sudden we became more attractive, you know? (laughs) So there was that. And then I think for my husband and me, it's been great having so much time together. I've really enjoyed that. And I've also enjoyed not commuting to the office and I've also enjoyed not having to do all of that business travel. And we also had we we also had a lot more time for fitness. I mean, mm, I think a lot of people had a lot more time for fitness and going for yeah. walks or hikes and enjoying the outdoors. I know that we became way more attuned to the outdoors and discovered things about <laughs> our property that we hadn't known, even though we've lived here since 1996. Wow! And we discovered that we had these gorgeous flowering tulip poplar trees Mm -hmm. well it was like it was the first time they had ever flowered with these gigantic yellow flowers but i'm sure they were doing that (laughs) over the prior quarter century that we've been here and we just didn't notice right 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 that's true that's very very true that's amazing so these are all the plus sites i think that makes a big difference and one of the things if i recall uh in some of our conversation you mentioned about there was a period of time where you became a FaceTime grandma or something like that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, to... we've, used, we've used FaceTime a lot because um, we had one grandchild already before the pandemic. Then we had mm-hmm. one born right before the pandemic. So we got to see, you know, I mean, she lives, my daughter lives four hours away, but we got to yeah, see that yeah. grandchild you know, a few times before the pandemic hit. Then once the pandemic hit, right. it was all online for a while. But And now we have another grandchild who was born during the pandemic and another one on the way who will be born during the pandemic. But these kids have definitely gotten more accustomed to having a relationship with grandparents over FaceTime. And it works great. Like, I'll just spend an hour <laughs> with my grandchild 
uh-huh. um, just hanging out while, you know, he eats dinner, he takes his bath, whatever. I'm there via FaceTime, and he seems to accept my presence that way. Aw, that's beautiful. So beautiful. How, does, how do we release our inner strength? All right, so getting back to this book, this is one of the things I have learned while doing this chicken soup for the soul job for the last 14 years. I hadn't ever really focused before on how much inner strength and resilience we all have Mm -hmm. because people write stories for us all the time, not only for this book but for all our books about how something happened to them, some life challenge occurred, and they were amazed that they actually could power through it. We all have this inner strength to get through these challenges. And sometimes when it's over and we finished up one of these challenges, we say, I don't know how I did that. I don't know Mm -hmm. how I got through that. But we all have it. And I think it's really important to remember when your life goes off track and something bad happens, whether it's a financial challenge or a health issue or relationship trouble or you know, loss and grieving or natural disaster strikes or any of the other ways in which life goes off track, immediately realize you have that inner strength. And that is so empowering to say to yourself, okay, I actually know I have this reserve of inner strength inside me because I've read all these other Chicken Soup for the Soul stories (laughs) where people found this inner strength that they didn't know they had. So I must have it too. I am going to call on it now And it really helps you to then say, okay, if other people can do it, well, clearly I can do it also. It's not like they had the inner strength and I don't. And so I think it helps you to approach these problems more optimistically Mm -hmm. and with a greater sense of purpose and with hope. And hope is so important. People tell us all the time that one of the most important things they get from Chicken Soup for the Soul stories is hope. You know, and you can yeah. come upon a life challenge, and if you can immediately go to hope, and that hope is because you realize, okay, I can handle this, I have the inner strength, I have the fortitude, I will do what all these other people before me did. That gives you that hope that you'll make it through and that things will get better on the other side. Mm-hmm. And that is really helpful, having that attitude going into a challenge. You, you don't feel sorry for yourself. You have that perspective that other people have been through the same thing. It's not just happening to you, so you're not going to take Mm -hmm. it personally. It's it's really empowering and really productive to go into it with the attitude that that inner strength is waiting for you to call on it. That's wonderful. That's true. What do you think is the number one roadblock, though, for some people to tap into their resiliency reservoir? I think the roadblock would be thinking that they're somebody special. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, this only happened to them. I find whenever something bad happens to me, when my mother died, when my father got dementia, when I was diagnosed with cancer, instead of thinking, woe is me, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening to me. Instead, I thought, okay, it's my turn now to go through this. And there are a million other people who learned this about themselves today as well. You know, there's a million other people who just lost a parent or realized a parent has dementia or who got a cancer diagnosis. And so I think the roadblock 
is basically narcissism. If you think, oh, woe is me, it's mm-hmm. all about me, you're not going to overcome your challenges. But if you step back and you have that perspective and you say, okay, stuff happens and it's happening to me today and I'm only, you know, I'm one of a million people who's experiencing this today, I think that takes away that roadblock that stands in the way of you immediately getting to work at using your inner strength and resilience and fortitude. Right, right. That's true. That's true. Look inwards versus outwards. That's so true. So true. Would you please share with us the beautiful message you want the front and back covers of this beautiful book to convey to the readers? So I hope this book will stand out on the store shelves. I mean, we'll see because it's just on sale today, November 2nd, for the first time. Um, I made it a cover with, you know, dark letters, like like dark capital letters. Um, so it really jumped out at people. And what I did was I – my graphic designer actually found this great picture of people – and it's very di- a very diverse group of people. Um, and I wanted to show, like, humanity and how life's challenges happen to everyone. Of course, I've sometimes told you in the past about my battles over cover design, you know, where mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This, this cover started out completely differently and it was more COVID-focused. And then we got rid of the COVID focus and just went for life challenges in general. So yeah. I put all these people on the cover, and I think it's really cool and very, like, contemporary-looking, and then we started getting complaints. You have too many young people. So then I took some <laughs> of the people, and I I made their hair white, you know, because you can do that. So I made mm. their hair white, and finally I just said, look, this is the cover. I'm not changing it anymore. This is a group of diverse people of diverse mm-hmm. ages, and that's the point of this book is that it's for everyone and so let's see what happens right right well what i love about it is that simple thumbs up it's very profound oh on the back cover yes yeah well because that's just like that universal kind of like a-okay kind of sign Mm -hmm. and people use that thumbs up all the time in emojis so yeah, we stuck that on the back cover just to convey, you know, like a positive attitude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it because I think it's that simple gesture. And as a matter of fact, you use that as the chapter dividers as well. So, you know, it was really interesting because it's just sort of a subliminal message and energy for all of us to understand that it's okay. Life goes on and it's going to be good. So having said that, what are the chapters topics covered? in this empowering book? Oh, they're fabulous. Um, God, it was so much fun making this book um, because it's, it covers such incredibly broad variety of mm-hmm. life challenges that people face. Um, and so, and by the way, we do have a bunch of COVID stories, but really the stories are universal and timeless because even when COVID is over, the COVID stories are really about loss and other things and so it doesn't matter if that was caused by COVID or caused by something else right but anyway the the chapters one is called the new normal and it's about getting used to a new life um whatever challenge occurred that propelled you into this new life you need to get used to your new normal 
Another chapter is called Count Your Blessings because counting your blessings and and having an attitude of gratitude make it so much easier to power through tough times. You know, if you have an illness, well, think about how you're so lucky to have health insurance or if you're experiencing financial mm-hmm. troubles, think about how lucky you are not to have health challenges and whatever it is, you can always find something to be thankful for. And then another chapter is called Find Your Inner Strength. And in this chapter, we provide a lot of role models to show people that, hey, you really do have that strength inside you. Just go and get it. Another chapter is called It Takes a Village, and these are stories that remind us that it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to accept help, and people want to be part of your life and help you as you face whatever the challenge is. Uh, We have another chapter called Coping with COVID, and that's a lot of creative ways that people are dealing with the pandemic. Another chapter It's called Attitude and Perspective. And these were stories that I thought were just beautifully written and really filled with words of wisdom for our readers. Another chapter is called Moving Forward. And I find that I'm using that phrase, moving forward, a lot now because a lot of people say, hey, Mm -hmm. I didn't, I'm like, I suffered a loss and I'm not recovered from the loss. I'm just moving forward from the loss. And so I'm using moving forward as a phrase a lot more in our books because I think mm-hmm. it's a better representation of what people actually go through as they heal from different things or find a new way to move along, you know, life's path. Right. Another chapter is called Meet the New You, and that is basically an offshoot of that new normal idea. Like, okay, things happen, but now you are a new person who have you've been through this challenge. And this is the new you, so let's go ahead and meet the new you. Another chapter is called Face Your Fears. And um, that's because that's un, you know that's often what people need to do to get through tough times is right. face their fears. So we have a lot of great role models for our readers in that regard. And then finally, loss, grieving, and healing. Uh, these are very important stories uh, because all of us, at times face loss and the grieving and healing process takes many years, if not decades. And so we wanted to provide a full chapter of stories about that to help people through that kind of tough time. So it really covers anything you could think of that goes wrong in your life. Beautiful. Just beautiful. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, our podcast available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, and Google Play. I'm your host, Johnny Tan, and my guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Tough Times Won't Last, But Tough People Will, 101 Stories About Overcoming Life's Challenges. Amy Chapter one, which one is your favorite story in that chapter? Oh, I have a couple of favorites. I mean, how can I really say I have a favorite? I don't want to (laughs) insult our 101 writers because the fact that they made it into the book means that they're all my favorite stories. But here's here's a fun one anyway. Mm -hmm. um, It's called um, Andrea Tutto Bene, which is Mm -hmm. an Italian phrase. Um, that means everything will be fine. And in this story, Janine Zimmer's 
tells us that she was a graphic designer and she worked at this company that was always struggling financially. Um, but, you know, she did the job anyway, even though it was kind of stressful and she didn't enjoy it. But on the side, she was making jewelry and selling it on Etsy. And this is something we say to people. We say, look, if you mm-hmm. don't like your job, do a side hustle that you do like so that you have something in your life that allows you to express your passion and something that you can, you know, feel purposeful about. Mm-hmm. Um Anyway, so she loved making jewelry, but she was only making one or two sales a month in the beginning. Uh, But then her business grew, and even prior to COVID, um, her Etsy business grew so much that she could pay for an occasional weekend trip or a fancy dinner with what she was making from that. Well, then the pandemic hit, and her sales doubled. People were home, and they were ordering jewelry online. (laughs) And so she was spending more and more time on that business and that was good because her hours were cut to half time and then eventually her job was eliminated altogether so then all she had was her etsy business well she decided to make this bracelet with this phrase um and she had seen this italian phrase on the signs that people in venice were holding remember when you could when you when the pandemic first hit, it was China and then it was Italy. And so mm-hmm. our news coverage covered Italy a lot. Remember the mm-hmm. Italians standing on their balconies or holding banners out their windows. Right. And those, those says, said Andra Tutto Bene. So she made a bracelet that said that, but it didn't, it didn't sell. But then the same day that she found out that she was fired altogether, somebody ordered two of those bracelets with that Italian phrase and then that same person came back and ordered more. And then it seemed like every time that Janine was worrying about something like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do about health insurance? She'd get more right. orders from that same customer. And then all of a sudden, other people started ordering that bracelet. And Janine concluded her story by telling us that her shop has more than 10,000 sales and her weekly earnings exceed what she was making at her previous job. And so it was just a great example of how somebody could lose their job and have their hobby turn into a new career for them and how everything could work out just fine in the end. Right. The fascinating story, you know, in this case, is that that would not have happened if not for the pandemic in some ways. I think you're right because people started focusing a lot more on online shopping when they were home. And of course, she wouldn't have had the time to really grow her Etsy business if she still had her job as a graphic designer. Yeah. So being fired forced her to do her Etsy job full time, and it's worked out great for her. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. You said you had a couple. So what's the next one? Well, okay, there's one from Diane Stark. She writes a lot for us. Uh-huh. And she always has the best advice that really applies to all of us. So in this mm-hmm. case, She wrote about the beginning of the pandemic and how she was home, you know, with her kids and her daughter, who was a senior in high school, pointed out that they didn't really have to put everything on pause. I mean, remember, that was a time when it was like we Mm -hmm. hit the pause button. Well, so this was, you know, like March or April of 2020. And her daughter pointed out to her that they could still do their New Year's resolutions and their like list of goals for 2020. They mm-hmm. 
they would just do them differently, but they didn't have mm-hmm. to abandon them just because they were stuck at home. And so Diane had had goals on her list, like getting healthy and decluttering her house and being a better wife and mother and spending more time with her daughter, who was a senior in high school. Well, that obviously happened. They spent more time together because of COVID. And then her daughter, Julia, one of her goals had been to join a gym, but she wasn't going to do that during COVID. But she could use her quarantine time to get fit anyway. She just went and downloaded a fitness app. Mm-hmm. And the two of them sat down, went through their list of goals, and realized they could do everything on their list, and a lot of it they could do together. And so I thought that it was a really good reminder that even when things change, you can still move forward on your goals. You just have to be a little creative. Right, right, right. I love it. It's wonderful. You're right, because I think it's just a matter of readjusting things, and it's an attitude deal. And so if you focus, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. The environment can't control what your thoughts are. And that brings me to chapter two, count your blessings. And I love this chapter. And the story I really like is Worst Day Ever by Joan Donnelly Emery. This is very, very interesting. So uh, in the case of Joan, she tells us that Her worst day ever was March 19, 2007. The first thing that happened was that her husband's boss called him at home, and Joan heard phrases coming from her husband's mouth, really ominous phrases like, turn in my laptop and severance package. And this was totally unexpected, and they didn't know what they were going to do. They worried they would lose their house. Well, Joan went off to her job anyway that day, And after a few hours on her shift, she received her own bad phone call. It was from her doctor who was calling with the results of a biopsy, and it turned out that she had cancer. She had lymphoma. So in one day, her husband got fired, and she got a cancer diagnosis. And she just couldn't believe it. She was healthy. She ate salads all the time. She was a runner. So anyway, they decided that they were going to call this their worst day ever, and someday they would look back on it and realize that things could only get better from there. And so they went right to work solving their problems. Her husband started calling everyone in his field looking for a new job, which he eventually got, and Joan found a really wonderful oncologist. And after a few months, her husband got a wonderful new job, and um, her oncologist explained to her that her cancer was very slow moving it was an indolent cancer and so it was quite manageable so on the one year anniversary of their worst day ever they decided they would commemorate that terrible day so on march 19th that next year they took a fun trip to las vegas and they have now celebrated march 19th every single year as their worst (laughs) day ever and they've made trips to savannah destin even ireland uh and Every year on March 19th, they toast that worst day ever and all the days since that they have survived. And all they talk about all of the things that they are grateful for. So I just thought that was a great approach that somebody took to having a really terrible day. Yeah, it's an amazing story. It's one of those things like, this is normal, right? I mean, when we go through that, it's like, oh, my gosh, are we going to go on this whirlwind downward or do we have an opportunity to, okay, I'm accepting it, 
what's next. And so I, I totally am fascinated with that story. It's just amazing, totally amazing. What's your favorite story in this chapter? Well, you keep asking me to name my favorite, and I feel like <laughs> a bad mother because I can't have a favorite. Oh. I just can't. But I can tell you a story that I think has a really wonderful message. Uh-huh. And um, it's story 14, and mm-hmm. it's called Be Like Dad. It's by Angela Rolamon. So here's what happened. This is another COVID story, but the lesson applies to all of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was Mother's Day, and Angela wasn't a mother, but her her dad drove from 45 minutes away. This was during the early part of COVID when, you, you know, you couldn't even open your door to your own father. Yeah. He left her a pretty flowering potted plant on Mother's Day and then drove 45 minutes back to his home. And then she found out what her father was doing. It seemed that she wasn't the only recipient of a random act of kindness from him. He had decided as a way of coping with the social isolation of COVID that he would do a random act of kindness every single day for someone. And it made him really happy to do that. And so um, he brought ice cream to somebody, even though it was a 45-minute drive. But he he knew a friend of his was having a rough day, so he dropped off ice cream for her. And he did all these nice things for people. And what Angela says is that the main insight she derived from this was that you don't have to do anything earth-shattering to make a difference. You can do these little things for somebody and really improve their day. And imagine what it would be like if all of us just decided that every day we would do a random act of kindness for a stranger. How cool would that be? Anyway, that's what her dad did. And I thought, what a nice idea. What a nice dad. And I really wanted to feature that story. It's a beautiful story. And the interesting thing about what I've encountered with people that do acts of kindness, it's, it gives them so much joy. And of course, the recipient is joyful as well, but it's, it's not about just like, oh my gosh, I'm giving, 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 giving. No, it's, it's about you creating your own joy. It's true. People say that the biggest beneficiary of a random act of kindness is the person who actually performs the act of kindness. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Well, chapter three, this is powerful, very powerful chapter, finding your inner strength. And I really love this empowering story, Becoming a Butterfly by Lakeisha Crummel. This was an amazing story, and she did such a cool thing. I mean, I think our readers are really going to love how this story is laid out because Lakeisha did something very, very clever. She calls the story Becoming a Butterfly, and then she takes she talks about the scientific side of how a butterfly becomes a butterfly, you know, from like Mm -hmm. the egg to the larva to being a butterfly. And then she overlays that kind of life cycle of butterfly onto her personal experience. And her personal experience was one where she drew on an enormous reservoir of inner strength because she got pregnant when she was only 15 years old. And it was with a guy who was utterly useless and, you know, wasn't really going to help her at all with this. And so she had the baby. She was 16 years old when she had the baby. And she kept going to high school. And then 
at one point she moved it to an apartment with her son and with the father, but that didn't work out. And the father was selling drugs and cheating on her, and he, he was just not useful at all. So she really had to just forget about him being part of her life. Um, but anyway, she ended up finding this great program for um, teens who had become parents and were homeless and needed help. And that program set her up with some housing and some supportive services, and she finished high school, and then she went on to college. She was accepted to three different colleges, and she ended up getting two degrees, and now she's married. She has four children. She has an amazing career, and all is well. But what she went through as a teenager was so extreme, and I was just so impressed by her story. I thought, wow, this is an amazing woman. It is. It's when you read stories like that and you say, uh oh, this goes it in it's going off in a little tangent here. But it's not. It's because of one's inner strength and the ability to map out what one would like to do. And this story, like you say, it's beautiful, it's beautifully titled and it speaks for itself, no doubt about it. The next story that I really like in this chapter in Finding Your Inner Strength is The Golden News by Rebecca Gardier. And this is interesting because this is a story about a woman and her hair, but I'm speaking on behalf of the man. I mean, you're totally crazy of trying to be in control. So I'll let you take over from there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, talk about control freaks. The man that she was with was so controlling that he basically mandated that she wear her long blonde hair like straight down. And if she tried to put it up, you know, in like a little knot mm -hmm. or a little bun, he would pull off what was holding it up so that it would come, you know, sliding down again. And she basically felt like her long blonde hair was like a noose around her neck because this control freak guy was so obsessed with her hair and how she would wear it. And one time she went out and she bought red hair dye and in an act of rebellion, she dyed her hair red. And then that didn't work out because he liked the new color also. So she was still totally under his control. So then she finally went and just got it all cut off. And that was finally her getting out from underneath his control. And I thought this is a really good message for women. Like, you cannot stay in a relationship with a man who wants to control every aspect of your life. It's not healthy. It's it's really not healthy. I mean, there's something very, very wrong with that. So I thought this would be a good story for women to read who are living with controlling people or men who are living with controlling people uh, that you can't let people control your life like that. Yeah. I, and the reason I chose that story, too, because it's like it's the godless of what gender you are. I mean, the moment you have to control someone, then that's not partnership because partnership is about building something new. Yeah, I, I thought it was horrifying what her husband was doing. He also had this um, yellow and white gold necklace that had been his mother's and he made her wear it all the time even if she didn't want to wear it she had to wear it and she felt like it was a collar that he had put on her 
So that was another way that he was controlling her. It was this golden necklace and also the long hair. Um, It was just, I I was horrified by it. I was so glad that she found her courage and got out of the relationship. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, chapter four, it takes a village. And I know you love this chapter and I love this chapter too, but I'll let you decide which stories that you like. How's that? (laughs) Okay. Well, there's a chapter by, sorry, there's a story by Lori Bryant that I just thought was incredible because this woman was so strong and so giving. So what happened was that she and her husband both got COVID early in the pandemic, and that was when the hospitals were overwhelmed and people had to sit outside waiting. And so she and her husband were sitting in the parking lot for three and a half hours in the winter. It was freezing cold, Mm -hmm. and her husband was, you know, on the verge of dying from COVID and was left out in this parking lot in this long line of people waiting to be treated. And he was shivering in his wheelchair. And so she ran to a nearby store and they had five blankets on the shelves and she grabbed all five of them and went up to the cash register. And the manager was there and he said, what are you doing with five blankets? And she explained she was buying one for her husband and then she was buying four more to give to other people in the line. So he took 75% off the price because what she was doing was so wonderful. Anyway, Mm -hmm. then her husband was finally admitted. She was never allowed to be in the hospital with him. And then he died after a week. And she finally went in just to say goodbye to him. But, you know, she wasn't supposed to be in there. She just kind of forced her way in. But she kept buying blankets for the people who were lined up outside And she got other people to provide blankets. And so this became her purpose was Mm -hmm. getting blanket after blanket after blanket donated to the people waiting outside the hospital to be treated for COVID. Wow. That's amazing. That's really, you know, it's, it's wonderful that something great came out of something in that situation. That's all I could say. It's, It's amazing. The stories in this book are so moving. Like, I don't think you could sit down and just read the book cover to cover. Yeah. Because I think you have to stop and absorb some of these stories and process them because they're just so moving. Mm -hmm. And they're so dense with human experience that you need to read a story and then sit and think for a little while before you can read another one. Right, right, right. I mean, I I love it. I mean, it's one of those things that really makes you take a moment to reflect upon life and humanity. Yeah, it makes you very impressed with people. There are so many role models for us in the pages of this book. I mean, Lori Bryant with the blankets. What a great role model she is. There she's lost her husband. and She's working as hard as she can to find blankets for everybody else who's still alive, who's waiting to go in. Do you have another story that you like in this chapter? I have a lighter story just so that we don't start crying on the radio, the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> so so here's a lighter story. It's by um, Cynthia Briggs. It's in that same chapter. It takes a village. Mm-hmm. But this one is called Sweet Talking. And in this case, Cynthia was baking pies during COVID because, you know, that's what we all did. We started baking or making food. <laughs> But everybody kind of went into the kitchen and started creating food because that's what we do when we're going through tough times. We have this instinct that we must create food. 
And so she was making this pie recipe one day, and she didn't realize when she started it she was going to make two pies instead of one. And so her husband said, why don't we give the extra pie to the neighbors? So they had these neighbors who they had just said hello to over the past five years. They knew their names but nothing more about them. So she dropped off a pie for the neighbors. And then the neighbors reciprocated. And they started dropping off food at each other's doors and exchanging, like, family recipes. And it was really nice. And they ended up making a new friendship as a result of this food exchange that they did during the worst part of COVID. I love the story. It reminds me about when my mom used to visit me in the early years of when I was in the United States. She made friends with everybody with food. And it's like, she was telling me, oh, that one is pregnant, this one, and they wave at her, and they never wave at me because I never got around in the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> and even my mom don't speak English, right? But she communicated with food because she would make food and give to my neighbors. I'm not kidding you. It was like, okay. And then, of course, they ended up having to reciprocate, so I enjoyed that. That's great. Yeah, I know. It, it's it's amazing. It's really wonderful. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, our podcast, available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Google Play. My guest is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Tough Times Won't Last, But Tough People Will, 101 Stories About Overcoming Life's Challenges, I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Amy, Chapter 5, Coping with COVID. This is serious. I mean, it's reality right now. That's what we're in. One of the stories that I really like is Make Believe and Magic by Shannon Heston. I love the story. Well, I'm glad you liked this one because it really appealed to me because my husband and I had a cruise scheduled that started in Venice and then went down, you know, like the coast of Croatia mm-hmm. and went around and ended up um, in Rome. And so Sharon had that same cruise um, canceled, and it was for her 30th wedding anniversary. And so, of course, it was canceled by COVID. I mean, mine was canceled twice, once in 2020 and then once in 2021. The same cruise got canceled again. (laughs) You know, the makeup cruise got canceled. But anyway, she said that even though she knew that having a cruise canceled was pretty insignificant compared to what most people were going through as a result of the pandemic. She and her husband thought that they would do something about their canceled cruise. And so they decided that they would do what kids do and they would play make-believe. So when they were supposed to be on the cruise, they started posting on Facebook and like they would post photos of themselves. They, they got pictures onto their television of mm-hmm. the tourist sites they were supposed to see. And then they, took selfies in front of the television so you could see, you know, the Domo or whatever tourist site <laughs> behind them. And they posted those pictures on Facebook. They also dressed up in the clothes that they would have worn on the cruise. Like when the cruise was going to have a formal night, they dressed up in their formal clothes that night and took pictures and put them on Facebook. And so during the whole week they were supposed to be on the cruise, they posted photos every day that were relevant to what they were going to be doing when they were on the cruise. So I just thought, well, that was a fun approach. And, you know, a lot of people managed to have a lot of fun during the pandemic, and they were an example of that. Mm. 
That's wonderful, isn't it? <laughs> to do something. It's all in the mind. And not only that, it's the positive attitude, being able to create, because it's not the destination. It's the company that you're with that makes the difference. That's true. So she and her husband had that same experience at home. You're absolutely right. They got a lot of the pleasure they would have gotten from being together on the cruise. There's another story in Chapter 5 that I really like, and this is, again, it reminds me a lot about my mom and sharing food with the neighbors and so forth. This story is called The Bread Bandits by Darcy Daniels. So the interesting thing about this story (laughs) was that this relates to another COVID activity of mine, which is my daughter gave me some sourdough starter, and then I learned how to make bread in Mm -hmm. July of 2020. And in the beginning, the sourdough starter was like a tyrant. You know, I had to feed it twice a day and make sure it was okay. (laughs) And I said to my husband, we could have a puppy, considering, you know, all the care I was putting into this sourdough starter. Then over time, I got more relaxed about it. And it stopped like running my life, you know, Mm -hmm, but in the mm -hmm. beginning, it really ran my life. (laughs) But anyway, Darcy got sourdough starter for the first time. And she, she actually created hers from scratch. And then of course she started making bread and then she had too much bread. So she started giving bread away and she called herself the bread bandit. And she started leaving bread on people's doorsteps and um, she would make like four loaves of bread every Thursday, and then they would keep two loaves for themselves to have during the next week, and they would give two loaves away on Fridays. So I thought that was fun and a nice activity she came up with to do random acts of kindness for people during COVID. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love it. I, I just love those kind of stories. I think it's, it's just amazing what it does for the person that's doing the giving. It's amazing. Chapter 6, I love this story, Attitude and Perspective. Another Gorgeous Year by Jack Byron. And it's interesting from a guy's perspective. Yeah, so Jack, um, Jack's story really shows you how humor can help you even through the toughest of times. So he was at his mom's 50th birthday party, and his Aunt Anna gave his mom this greeting card that she laminated. And Jack had heard about this card over the years but had never seen it. It was a greeting card that had this bedraggled, sad-looking woman on its front. And inside the card, it said, here's to another glorious year. And it was obvious from the woman on the front, she was having not a glorious year. Well, Jack's mom had been through plenty of not-so-glorious years. Um, She had survived years of a bad marriage. She had struggled being a single mother, raising five sons. One of her sons had died at age 21. And then he had a son who basically got taken away from them by um, the other side, and they didn't get to see the grandchild ever. So anyway, this card about here's to another glorious year was passed back and forth between Jack's mother and um, her mother's sister, Anna, who had her own hard times. So each Christmas, whoever had had the card for the prior year would then give it to the other sister. So they would alternate years having this card. But then Jack's mother remarried to a great guy, and her sister Anna decided they no longer needed to share this card back and forth because both of them, their lives were in much better shape. So I just thought that was a really cool story about a tradition and how 
people use humor even during the worst of times. Mm -hmm. I love it because it's something to cheer the heart. And when the heart gets cheered up, that ripple effect affects everything around them. And it's pretty interesting for a guy <laughs> to share that story. So it's, it's really wonderful. I really enjoyed that. What story in Chapter 7 that you like moving forward? I know you love the uh, title of the chapter, Moving Forward. Yeah, I really do like that phrase, Moving Forward, uh, because sometimes people are almost insulted if you say, well, mm -hmm. have you recovered? And they say, no, I'm right. never going to recover, but I am moving forward. So I think using the phrase moving forward is much more sensitive and really yeah. more accurate as to most people's experience. Well, Kelly Wright, who I'm actually going to be interviewing on the podcast in a couple of weeks on the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast, he's a um, well-known TV newscaster who has his own um, weekly or sorry nightly news show mm -hmm. um, but anyway Kelly's mom when she was a teenager was raped by her pastor and Kelly's mom didn't tell him about this until he turned 13 and then she sat him down and said it was time for him to know and she explained that she had been raped by the pastor she had decided to have Kelly and not to give him up and she had raised him with all of this love and courage, and he had no idea. And uh, he just talks about what a strong woman she was. And at the end of his story, he says, I am not a product of rape. I am a product of a mother's love and courage. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. That's, you know, it's a tough story, but then it, it, it has a wonderful happy ending. Yeah, I mean, he's, of course, a very grateful son. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Chapter 8, Meet the New You. Love the chapter title. And the story that I really like is The Fire Within by John Apple. So this is a really intense story. Um, and I actually met John the other night on Zoom. We had a Zoom meeting mm -hmm. of all of the new contributors who were in oh. this book. And so John talked about this on our Zoom meeting also. Um, John had been, you know, one of these college students who was just doing great and was on a certain life path. He was a full-time accounting student. He worked part-time as a salesman at a cellular store. Um, he was a competitive power lifter. He had an internship at one of the big accounting firms, and they were going to hire him when he graduated from college. So everything was perfect for him. And he had hobbies like going to the gym and reading books and writing and working on his car. Normal, good college student, right? Well, he woke up one day in the hospital, handcuffed to the gurney. And it turned out that he had been socializing, drinking too much. He had blacked out. He'd gotten in his car. He had driven more than 30 miles before he ran a red light, collided with a car at 80 miles per hour and injured everybody in the other car. And then after he hit that car, his car flew over the median, flew over two more cars, luckily not hitting them. He landed on his roof, flipped twice. Of course, he lost his driver's license, lost the internship and the job. 
and he served time in prison. So he talked about all of this on the Zoom call also. What he hadn't known about himself and what was diagnosed when he was going through rehab was that he actually had mental health issues. He was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and OCD, and it turned out that drinking while experiencing a manic episode is a recipe for disaster, which is what had happened to him. So now he's on a new life path, um, having been completely derailed. So what he says in the story is, what do you do when your plans are dashed, your future uncertain, and your faith in yourself is shaken? You stand up straight with your shoulders back. You do the next right thing. You lift your eyes to the mountain you must climb, and you climb it one rock at a time. And he says, what once seemed insurmountable will in time become manageable. On the other side of your mountain, you will find the path leading you where you need to go. So this guy has been through a lot. Um, and this was a story of consequences and then redemption. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's powerful. And again, it's in a nutshell also, this is what this book is all about. It's yeah, about it's a, rebounding. Yes. And that's another example of a really powerful story where you just need to sit and think a little after you read it. This is a really powerful book. It's like it's like you're holding a support group in your hand where people are sharing yeah. their most intense, powerful, and helpful stories with you. So true. What do you like in Chapter 9? Well... There's a woman who talks about her eating disorder that she had as a teenager. It's really interesting because she describes what it felt like. I mean, she knew she was doing the wrong thing, even as she was Mm. throwing up her dinner every single night and she was wasting away. And she knew it, but then she didn't know how to stop herself from behaving that way. So one night after she threw up as she was, you know, lying there in the bathroom, she'd made a deal with herself. She said that If her dad at that very moment got up off the couch and walked past her room, she would tell him everything. Well, then she heard this creak in the floor, and she heard her dad walk by, and she went and she told him. She said, Dad, I have an eating disorder, and I need help. And her dad burst into tears and said, I love you. We will get through this together. So here's what she says. She says, tears can catch you in their current And tears can feel a lot like hope if you learn to ride the wave. I thought, what an incredible sentence to come out of her. Tears can feel a lot like hope if you learn to ride the wave. I thought, wow, this woman is a great writer. Anyway, she did get better. It was a lot of hard work, but she got better. And now she's a therapist, and she treats teenagers who have eating disorders. And she helps them. And she she was telling us in the story about this one patient she saw who was saying, like, I know I need to do this, but I don't know how to do it. And she said to this girl, we will get through this together. I cannot take the steps for you, but I can walk the path alongside you. I have walked it before, and I know where Mm -hmm. it leads. I will light your path while you lead the way. So I thought this was an incredible story by Maura Showerman, just incredible. Oh, yeah. I mean, it definitely is. I mean, that's just experiential speaking, having walked through the path of self. No question about that. Oh, wow. Amazing. 
Chapter 10, Loss, Grieving, and Healing. And the story that I like in this chapter that reminds me about my sister is The Healing Garden by Cindy Hudson. So Cindy lost her husband, and after a few months of going through all of the normal things you go through and all the things that you have to actually accomplish after losing your husband, she decided to turn your, her attention to his garden because he had always loved gardening. He would come home from work and he would go putter around in the garden. And he loved the work, and it was just very relaxing for him. So she decided a great way to connect with him would be to work in his garden. And then she talks about a whole season of doing that, starting off in the early spring and then ending with you know, getting the garden ready for the winter and how it really helped her feel close to her husband, plus just the fact that she was working outside was so good for her. And that's one of the things we find in the stories in our books, that people are constantly talking about how healing it is to be outdoors, what a difference it makes to us to be outdoors. We get a much better perspective. Our problems seem smaller when we're in the great outdoors. So I thought that was a really good story and a great idea for people to use gardening as a form of therapy and as a form of connecting with somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love it. When I read that story, it reminded me about my sister when my mom passed away. My sister never really liked to cook and to do gardening or, and all that stuff, but my mom loves gardening. So the entire house is just filled with wonderful flowers, having said that earlier in our conversation in the show. And she somehow took over that role of taking care of all the beautiful garden. And she found that to be very therapeutic. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I think that anything you do outdoors is therapeutic. Yeah, so it's it's amazing. Well, since we are in the season of gratitude, what is Chicken Soup grateful for this year? And what are you thankful for this year? Um, I'm personally grateful for my family, which has been so good about staying close during the pandemic and thankful for my husband who's so supportive and has helped me through my cancer treatments and thankful at work for all of our wonderful employees who have done such a good job at powering through the pandemic and keeping our company healthy even while we couldn't be together in the office. So, There's a lot to be thankful for. I mean, I never got COVID. My husband never got COVID. You know, Mm -hmm. um, that alone is something to be thankful for. Yeah, yeah, no question about it. Well, that's wonderful. Well, what wonderful recipes for living would you like to share with our listeners this morning? Well, I created um, a list of tips that I got from some of the stories in the book. Mm -hmm. And um, the first one is that You can rebuild even after the worst financial disaster. And we talked about a couple of stories that were good, you know, Mm -hmm. evidence of that. Um, Also, you can reframe even the worst health challenge and see all of the benefits and the silver linings, even when you're going through something really bad. And you could reframe the worst financial challenge, the worst anything. You can reframe it. We have so many stories in the book that will help you you know, adopt a different perspective. Um, Another, I guess, ingredient in my recipe for living is that 
it's okay to feel joy even when you're going through something that's awful. And people don't always know that they have permission to feel joy. You know, right. even if you're, you've just lost somebody, it's okay to feel joy as well. And I think that's something that not everybody understands. If you've just lost somebody, it's still okay to start laughing about something. It's okay to feel joy in the midst of turmoil and disaster and the worst challenges. So I guess those would be some of my ingredients for a recipe for living. Those are wonderful, wonderful recipes for living. Amy, thank you for the great recipes for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Tuesday morning, November 9th. Since November is National Alzheimer's Awareness Month, my guests will be Gary Rotman and Bruce Barnett, founders of Simple Technology. Gary, Bruce, and I will be having a conversation about their remarkable life's journey and the incredible invention called uh, Rosie 2.0. Rosie 2.0 has been called as a senior Alexa or Google Home. It is a simple technology solution for memory loss patients and their caregivers. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Thank you for listening and have a very blessed week. As usual, Amy, it has been a true pleasure. And you know what? Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Happy Thanksgiving to you too. And I'll talk to you next month. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye.